Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. All right, I want to welcome everybody at our 288 campus, Friendswood campus, Alvin campus, Webster campus, Pearland campus, online campus, and welcome to everybody at the Weibo Bible Church in Weibo, Montana. It is a great day to be in God's house, and um, I'm glad to be here, and, and, uh, and, and just this is not on the subject, but I get to wear an obnoxiously yellow shirt that I've had for about a year and a half, never had the occasion to wear it. They showed me what the background was going to look like. I said, I got a shirt for that. This is a, <laughs> praise the Lord. And, and, what's, and, and I may wear it every week during, during this series. I don't know, um, which wouldn't be the first time I've worn a shirt multiple times in a row. But um, that's beside the point. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, if you want to join us there in your Bible or on your device, Luke chapter 10. First, let me uh, give credit to whom credit is due. Uh, our campus pastors did such a great job in this series right here, Insomnia. Thank you, Pastor Howard, Pastor Mike, Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Jordan, that awesome series that you brought to us and challenged us with. And uh, uh, Pastor Andy at our Webster campus got squeezed out of the schedule. My fault, Pastor Andy. Uh, I extended the Outlier series, which made that series shorter. I'm, I apologize for that. Next next time you'll be in the, in the lineup as well. But Pastor Andy, just so everybody knows, is killing it at our Webster campus. Keep up the good work at the Webster campus, guys. And Pastor Andy, thank you so much. But we're blessed to have all these guys uh, as leaders in our church and all these guys leading at our campuses, and I mean that with every bit of my heart. Thank God for our campus pastors. Now, every year we do a thing, and the thing that we do is we take time, three weeks, to reset our vision as a church and to remind ourselves why we're even a church and why we do what we do. But it's also an opportunity for us to inform and encourage and invite anyone who happens to be new with us to join us on this amazing journey. And it has been an amazing journey, especially uh, recently. Uh, I say that because I've been doing this for a long time and, and never in my entire ministry have I seen God do things at the level in our church that he is doing them right now. God is up to something in our midst and we, and we get to witness it, which is awesome. But getting a little bit ahead of myself here. Uh, we're calling our vision series this year, we're calling it, This Is For Every One. Now, you may have noticed the light display when you came into your campus in the lobby. I'm gonna explain that in just a bit. Uh, for those of you, you at the Weibo Bible Church, I sent you a way that you can participate with us in this as well. Uh, thank you, Amazon.com. But uh, let me begin this series with what is perhaps to some folks a controversial statement. And, and the statement is this, God wants our help. He wants our help. Let me push it just a little bit. God needs our help. 
Oh, wow. Okay. The God who created the heavens and the earth in a week and still had time to take a day off and rest, the God who measured out the oceans in the palm of his hand, the, the, God, who, the God who made dinosaurs and butterflies, the, the God who can hear all 8 billion people on the planet pray at the same time should they choose to do so. That all-powerful God, guess what? He wants our help. He wants it. How do I know that? Because Jesus said this in Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So God has made a choice, and God's choice is this, that he would do his work through willing people, through willing people. And, and, and Jesus said there's not a problem with the harvest. The harvest is there, and there are always going to be people who are open and receptive to the gospel of Jesus. But Jesus said the issue here is this. There's just not enough workers to bring in the harvest. Later on in this same chapter, an expert in the law came to Jesus and asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus did what Jesus always does. He turned the question around. And so if you're ever talking to Jesus like face to face and you ask him a question, just get ready because this is how Jesus does things a lot in the Bible. He turns the question around and, and the guy asked him a question, but Jesus says, well, what do you think? You're an expert in the law. And this expert in the law said, well, I'm thinking, you know, we love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves." Jesus says that's a pretty good answer. But then the Bible tells us in verse 29 that this guy, wanting this expert in the law, wanting to justify himself, asked Jesus this question, well, then who is my neighbor? Now, we all know this guy. And maybe we are this guy sometime. This is the guy that when the homework assignment is passed out, when the, when, the, when the work assignments are passed out, when our wife asks us to do something, we immediately want to know what is the least amount that I have to do, what's the least that's required of me in order to pass this current test. Um, Jesus says to this guy, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. And here's the story that he tells him based on this question. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he did what? He, one more time, he, Okay, so if you've looked at the digital listening guide today, then perhaps you already know what the title of today's sermon is. The title of today's sermon is this. Which side of the road are you walking on? Which side of the road are you walking on? Because, I say that because there's a, there's a side where you don't have to have any commitment whatsoever. You can just walk down that side of the road and it's all about you all the time. Just do your own thing. There's another side of the road that should you walk down that side of the road, it might require you to commit. It might require you to step up. It might require you to help. When the priest was going down the road, he saw this guy laying in the ditch, beat up, half dead. What's he do? He passes by on the other side. Now, I know we haven't heard Jesus explain this entire story yet. We haven't got to the conclusion of it. But just at this point, how many of you would go out on a short limb with me and guess that the priest did not choose wisely? Agreed? Uh, like the priest walks by, is this right? Uh, wrong. That's wrong. That's not, that's not what you're supposed to do, okay? Wrong side of the road, priest. 
Verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw this guy half dead laying in the ditch, he passed by on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where the guy was in the ditch, half dead, and when he saw him, he had compassion. This guy had something the other two guys didn't have. He had compassion in his heart. His compassion moved him in the direction of this guy. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which is two silver coins. He gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you end up spending, I will repay you when I come back. So you think about this. Two guys passed by uh, on the road. They, They went down the wrong side of the road. One guy didn't avoid the man in need. He had compassion in his heart. He was moved to do something. He was drawn to this man to help him. And then Jesus asked him a multiple choice question, the the expert in the law. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The, The expert in the law said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, That's what I want you to do. You go, you do the same thing. Okay, so this is a parable. If you don't know, uh, the the old definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And that's, that's good. Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But really what it is, it's a hypothetical story that Jesus is using to teach something. And so it's hypothetical, but Jesus, when he tells it, Uh, chooses to set the story in an actual place. And I say that because there is a Jerusalem, there is a Jericho, there is an ancient road between the two. So this is an actual setting. Here's a picture of our group on our uh, last Holy Land trip. Uh, You can see we're walking up a hill here, but this is where the valley of the shadow of death, where they say that it is. And it's just over the rise of this hill. It goes down into a deep gorge. But on this side of this hill... Um, is a road, and I don't know if you can see this at your campus, but this little dark area right here, that that is a picture, it's a picture of, you can just start to see the hills of the country of Jordan, which is just, we're in Israel right here, but this is beyond the Jordan River over here, so the Jordan River is down in the valley there, and that's the hills of Jordan, so we're about mm, 20 miles maybe from the Jordan River, uh, which, if you don't know, right next to the Jordan River is where Jericho is. So we're 19 or so miles from Jericho down in this area. And, and uh, we're, we were making our way to Jerusalem. <laughs> we're not walking the whole way. We, uh, the, the bus was on the highway, and we pulled off onto this ancient road to go look at this, go see the Valley of the Shadow of Death. But the deal is, um, it is an ancient road. Uh, parts of it have been there for a long time, and the, the, the guy this time around actually showed me um, uh, some of the retaining walls that had been put up along the road to keep the road in place, the retaining walls built by the Romans all the way back during the Roman Empire. <clears throat> so ancient road, I don't know if this is the exact road that was in Jesus' mind as he was telling this question, but I'm just showing you this to say this makes sense. Because Jesus puts his story 
in a, in a, a, a real place, Jerusalem, Jericho, ancient road between the two. So his story makes geographical sense. It also makes sense the people that he chooses to be in the story so far. He, cho- he chose a, a priest who his work was at the temple, so he would be going back and forth between these places doing work at the temple. Uh, The second guy, the Levite, was a caretaker of the temple, kind of assistance to the priest. And so, again, Jesus' story makes sense. It makes geographical sense. It makes historical sense based on the players that are in the story up to this point. What does not make sense is when he introduced the Samaritan into the story. That doesn't really make sense. And the Samaritan had some good reasons not to help in this situation. I'm going to tell you more about him by giving you some of those reasons that he could have used not to help. The first one is this, kind of like excuses here, okay? He had places to go. He had places to go. How do I know that? Because as Jesus is telling the story, he says, as he traveled along, meaning he was not to his destination, at least not yet, he could have easily used that as an excuse. The first two guys did. They had places to go, people to see. Maybe they were headed to do the Lord's work, and so they could not be stopped to help somebody. They passed by on the other side. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe Jesus is showing us that the Lord's work isn't somewhere down the road. It's wherever you are. It's where you are right now. It's not somewhere later. It's not like after I get married, then I'll do the Lord's work. And when I get my dream job, then I'll do the Lord's work. And when I retire, then I'll have time to do the Lord's work. And when I fly to some foreign country and I can go, you know, into the villages, then I'm going to really do the Lord's work. No, the Lord's work is wherever you are. Like right now at your job that maybe you don't even like, guess what? God may have you there to do his work. It's at your church, it's in your neighborhood, it's with the people that God has put on the road in front of you now. The Good Samaritan had places to go, people to see, but he stopped, he stopped, which leads me to ask the question again, which side of the road are you walking on? Which side of the road are you walking on? Here's another reason, compelling reason or excuse that he could have used. He was the wrong race. And I don't say this with disrespect. Here's what I mean. Back in Jesus's day, Jewish folks and Samaritans did not get along. They did not get along. And I'm going to give you the short story as to why. In 721 BC, the Assyrians came and conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. So they came, they conquered, they killed a bunch of people, they carried a bunch of people off as slaves. Then they brought in pagan Gentiles to inhabit that territory. This is about 721 years before Jesus is telling this story, okay? So these pagan Gentiles are brought in to inhabit the northern kingdom of Israel, which was formerly just Jewish folks in that area. They begin to intermarry with the, with the Jewish folks who were still there, who were not killed or carried off. The offspring of these people with the Jewish people who are there, the offspring were called Samaritans. So the Samaritans became an ongoing reminder of the fall of the northern kingdom, and they were despised. And so there was a lot of racial tension in a moment like this that we don't feel necessarily because we don't really understand those dynamics and did not live back then, but this guy that he's talking to, I'm sure felt it. 
I'm sure he felt it because he was an expert in law, which means he was Jewish. Now here comes a Samaritan into Jesus' story. Jesus is spicing it up. He's, he's spicing up the story for this guy. And uh, this Samaritan, if you're thinking about it, Historically, he could have easily used race as an excuse. He's outside of Samaria, which is just to the north of this area. He's down in Judea, which is basically all Jewish back in the day. There he is. He could have passed by on the other side of the road, but he didn't. He didn't. Now, who's telling this story in the Bible? That's not a trick question. Who's telling the story? Jesus. Jesus is telling the story. So Jesus is making the main character, the hero, the good guy of this story. He's telling us what he is doing, and he tells us what he's preferring to happen by using the Good Samaritan, and he tells us that for the Good Samaritan, race was not a factor. Race was not a factor. And I'm just going to say it out loud for all of us at all of our campuses to hear again. Race is not a factor for this church either. Race is not a factor. We will never allow race to divide us as a church family. And uh, I, don't, I don't care what color you are, what race you are. I don't, I don't even think some of you know what you are. But... We got one guy on staff. I don't think he knows what he is. I don't think he knows what he is. And, and uh, he tries to tell us he's from some small island out in the Pacific. Pacific. And we're like, whatever, dude, whatever. <laughs> but I don't care what race you are, what color you are. If you love Jesus, you are my brother or sister in Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line right there. And you may not want me to be your kin, but too bad. We were kin. <laughs> So here's the deal. He could have used race. He did not. Which side of the road are you walking down? Which side of the road are you walking down? Another possible excuse. It costs to help. It costs to help. Jesus said in verse 35, he took out two denarii or two silver coins. Here's the truth of life. Anytime you make the decision to help, it always costs you something. Always does. It's not a bad thing. But it is a thing. And for many people, it's the thing that keeps them on the other side of the road. And for a lot of folks, it's the thing that keeps them on the other side of the road when it comes to church involvement. Now, we know that at this church, which is why this church operates the way that it does. If you've been coming to our church for a while, you may have noticed something. We don't take up an offering. Did you notice that? We don't take, and we've had new people pull me aside and, and what's the deal with that? You know, does it just hang around? I'll tell you eventually, but we don't take up an offering and, and rarely do we talk about money. In fact, the last time that I've said anything like I'm saying right now was two years and about three months ago. That's how long it's been. And if you're wondering how in the world does this church make it? Uh, without taking an offering, without begging for money on a regular basis. And by the way, just let me add in here, we're debt-free too. We're debt-free. How does that happen? How, how are all of our needs met? How do we become debt-free and we don't 
pass an offering plate and we don't have a 10-minute offering in the middle of the service and try to guilt people into giving. How, how are we doing this? I'm going to tell you how it happens. At the beginning of every month, like the first Sunday of the month, an angel from heaven comes down. carrying a large bag of money. And he puts it in one of the offering boxes at one of our campuses. Our team goes and opens every box. And eventually, we don't know which box it's gonna be in, but eventually they open up the correct box. I'm like, woo woo praise the Lord. Our, our needs are met again for another month. Glory to God. And you know I'm lying right now, don't you? So, no angel, no angel. So, how does it happen? Here's how it happens. Good people who have made the commitment to give give. That's it. There's no angels doing it for us. There's no corporate sponsors. There's no denominational headquarters mailing us a check. There's no uh, Christian billionaire who sends us cash because he likes what we're doing, even though I tried to make that happen with the founder of Hobby Lobby when I was in his home eating dinner. Dude's a, he's a billionaire, but he wasn't, he wasn't going for it. So, Here's how it happens. Just the good people in the room with you right now at your campus. That's how it happens. Those people giving on a regular basis. So we've had so many new people come to our church. I just want to bring you up to speed, okay? And, and if you want to get on board, get on board, all right? Uh, in the seat back pocket in front of you is a card that looks like this right here. On the front of it, it has our mission to know Christ and to make him known. That mission guides every ministry decision that we make as a church. The other side tells how the mission is funded. I'm going to just share with you real quick three things about the person that in this church that gives that funds the mission. First one is this. The mission of the church is funded by people who've made the commitment to put God's kingdom work first. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Uh, the mission of the church, secondly, is funded by people who give cheerfully, give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a, what kind of giver? Cheerful, cheerful giver. So if you can't give cheerfully, please don't give, all right? Uh, thirdly, the mission of the church is funded by people who are blessed because of it. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So that's a description of the kind of people that make this church work. Those people right there. So if, you wanna, if, if you're one of those people and you want to help us at this church, you want to help fund the mission, you want to get on board, I'm going to ask that you do this today. At the bottom, fill this card out, tear it off, and then when the service is done, I want you to put it in the box where angels have never, ever shown up. <laughs> and just let us know. Just let us know. And, and here's the deal. I'm making the commitment to pray for you every single day for the next 90 days. 
if you do this. I'm going to get our campus pastors to be on board with that as well. We're going to pray for you by name. Hopefully, we'll be able to read your email address, and we're going to send you an email then, and then you can respond to that email with a specific prayer request, and we will lift it up for the next 90 days if you'll jump on with us today. Now, if you don't give or if you do give but you don't give on a recurring basis and you sign this out, every what we're looking for is this. We're looking for a couple hundred people, a couple hundred people, a couple hundred families to become recurring givers. So if you're going to be one of the 200, sign out the card, leave it in the offering box, let us begin to pray for you. And, uh, and, and the reason that I'm saying this out loud today is because God has brought a harvest to our church and it's it's, it's mind-boggling. I'll give you details in just a moment, but it's mind-boggling. And we're, can I be honest with you right now? Yes. We're playing catch-up right now with what God has been doing at our church. And so everybody knew that God has put this on your heart or he's putting it on your heart right now. Please uh, feel free to join us. Back to Jesus' story. The guy gave two silver coins and said, you know, I'll come back through here in a few days and, and whatever else money you're out, I'm going to make it up to you as well. Now, remember, he had a choice like the other two guys. He could have crossed over to the other side of the road and it wouldn't have cost him a thing. But he walked down the right side of the road anyway. Now, here's something that I want you to notice about every one of these excuses. Every one of these excuses at its root has this attitude, I'm more important than someone else who needs help. I'm more important than this thing that, that Jesus is wanting me to do, this person that Jesus is wanting me to help. My stuff is my stuff, my money's my money, my time is my time, my thing that I've got going is more important. That person is different than me. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. And, and that's the root of the excuse. We think we're too important to help. More important than anybody else, anything else. We think we're too important. I love how Galatians 6, 3, the Apostle Paul says, when we have that kind of mentality, he says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> the Apostle Paul has no chill, no chill whatsoever. And... Um, Truth is, if we want our lives to be used by God, we got to get over ourselves and get rid of the excuses and walk down the right side of the road that God wants us to walk down. Now, why should we walk down that side of the road that Jesus is calling us to? A couple of reasons real quick here. One is it's the right thing to do. It's just the right thing to do. Now, you can tell when a person is maturing when they do what they're supposed to do even though they don't feel like doing it. That's a mark of maturity. You understand that? You know, uh, if you have children at home right now, I'm, I'm, I'll pray for you too, but here's the thing. You can tell when they're growing up, when something like this happens, when you're at the dinner table, and maybe you can tell they haven't had a good day, and they're just a little bit moody, but dinner's over, they're done eating, they pick up their plate, and their silverware, and their glass, and they go, and they scrape the the, the, you know, the food that's left over into the trash and they put their dish and their cup in the dishwasher and maybe you and your husband or your wife, you're sitting there going. <laughs> and then they just walk out of the room. And you're like, they're growing up. They're growing up. How many of you are still waiting on that to happen? You're still waiting? 
Your kid's like 30, and you're still waiting for them. <laughs> but here's the truth I found in this life. If I only pray when I feel like praying, the devil's going to make sure I never feel like praying. If I only serve or give or reach out or engage with someone to encourage them or to help them, when I feel like doing it, the devil's going to make sure I never feel like doing it. So let's all mature in the faith and let's do what God wants us to do. Even maybe we don't feel like doing this sometimes, all right? The second reason is this. And it's kind of right in line with this one. It's what God wants from us. This is what God wants from us. He wants us to engage other people. That's why we're still here, to engage with other people. When Jesus finished telling this story, he asked the expert in the law, who is the neighbor to this guy? Remember the original question was from the guy. The guy said, who's my neighbor? Jesus turns that around and says to this guy, out of the three people who had the opportunity to help, which one, which one uh, do you think was the neighbor to this guy? He, of course, says the one who showed him mercy and helped him out. So this guy's question, who's my neighbor, was answered by Jesus telling him, stop worrying about who your neighbor is. And from now on, you be a neighbor to somebody else whose life is in the ditch. Now, here's something true that I know about every single follower of Jesus Christ who's listening to me right now, every campus online, Weibo, everywhere. There's some, God has made sure that there's somebody in your life whose life is in the ditch. He's put them on the road, the road that you're on right now. And you may not know by looking at them, they look like they're okay, but they're not okay. Their yard may be mowed, their car is clean, their kids are semi-polite, but on the inside, they're empty and they're lost because they don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. Listen to me. Do not walk by on the other side of the road. Do not walk by on the other side of the road. Want for that person, because you have God's compassion in your heart, want for them what God wants for them. What's he want for them? 2 Peter 3, 9, God does not want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. Repentance is turning from sin and turning to God. God wants everyone to turn to him to be saved. How's that going to happen? Well, after the angel gets done dropping off the money in the offering box, he's going to go to that person that's on your road that you're traveling. No, that's not how it's going to work. The angels are going to be very self-conscious today that I keep throwing them under the bus. But. So how's it going to happen? Well, let's go back to the beginning of this same chapter. Before Jesus tells this good Samaritan story, Luke chapter 10, he says this. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Here's how he's going to do it. He's going to use you, and he's going to use me. We are, we are the plan. We're the plan. We're God's plan. God wants our help. He needs our help right now. And what an awesome responsibility it is. And I am thrilled to be able to stand on the stage and to say to you that this right here is happening in our church family. This is happening. 
allow me to put this into perspective. First of all, uh, church attendance, this is from a Gallup poll, church attendance is down 10% nationwide. It's down 10% from what it was pre-pandemic. So like the year before the pandemic, 2019, it's down 10% from then, okay? So keep praying for the church nationwide and worldwide, down 10%. How does our church family compare to that? What's God doing here? How's it working out here? We are 8.9% up from what we were pre-pandemic, up 8.9% from what we were pre-pandemic. Which is amazing, that's amazing, but this is, this is nothing compared to what I'm about to show you. Get ready to give God some praise here. So far in 2023, we have had 876 baptisms. 876 baptisms. This is, I don't know, maybe double or close to being double what we've ever had in a year. And it's only the end of July. We've got how many more months? Five months left to go. Isn't that incredible? And I want you to listen to this. There are 103 people scheduled to be baptized today at our campuses. 103. Now, a good number of those today are kids that have come back from camp. They've given their lives to Jesus. They want to follow all that up with uh, going public with their faith in Christ. And speaking of camp, all-time record for camp this year, 1,361 kids at camp this year. And on top of that, here's some awesome news. Not one student, not one kid was turned away because of finances. Everybody who wanted to go to camp got to go to camp. And the generosity of this church family made that possible. Here's something else amazing that's happened in this year. God made it possible for us to open up our newest campus this year, which was our original campus. Our Pearland campus opened up this year as well. <laughs> amazing, amazing. And uh, God has gotten off to a great start there at the Pearland campus. You guys are doing an amazing job there as well, Pearland. So proud of you guys. But we were, open up, we were able to open up this campus debt-free. So we bought it debt-free, and then we rehabbed the entire thing absolutely debt-free. And, and maybe you're thinking, how is this even possible? How are we able to do all this kind of stuff and see so many people come to faith in Christ, so many people get into the waters of baptism, so, so God being able to do so many things through our church family. I'm going to tell you how it happens. Because the people of this church walk down the right side of the road. That's what we do. And I'm so proud of this church family because you're not afraid, you're not afraid to walk down the right side of the road, and when you encounter someone to reach down into the ditch to help them out of the ditch. Now, today, I'm going to say it again. God has somebody in your life again right now who's in the ditch, okay? They, they, they don't have a church home. They don't know Jesus or they don't have a good relationship with Jesus right now. And, and they're searching. They're looking. They're in need. Um, I'm just going to ask you to pray about that, okay? To pray about that. Now, 
we got something coming up. We have three times every year, I've told you this before, when people, new people are more apt to come to our church. One is Easter, one is the movie series, and one is Christmas Eve. And one of those is coming up in three weeks, and it's not Christmas. It's the movie series. The movie series begins August 17th. If you've never been to one, guess what? I teach the Bible. I teach the Bible. And some people don't believe that, and they're like, that's hokey. I actually teach the Bible during a movie series, and it's just a different way of doing it. But... Um, People tend to be more receptive to coming to this series than other times, so use this. Here's something, and I don't want to offend you when I say this, but this is not for you. Does that offend you? <laughs> I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I say it because you're already here. So if I was going to preach, you know, on the first week of this series, just another sermon from the Bible, you'd probably, hopefully be here anyway, okay? This is an excuse for you to invite your one to church, okay? So do it. Invite them, okay? We don't want to miss our mission of making Christ known we need to use this time period to reach out, to invite someone. So I'm going to ask you to pray for one. And we've kind of come up with a way to illuminate this idea a little bit. In the lobby of your campus, there's a light display. There are light bulbs out there, Sharpies. We want you to write the name of your one, that person that God has put on your heart. Write the name of your one on a light bulb and then put it into the display. And you can write one name on there, you can write as many names on there as you can get onto one light bulb. Uh, and, and just write the name and then, and then start to pray for them. And, and, and by the way, Sam was my one once upon a time. And I prayed for him and interacted with him and answered questions for him. And, and he, has, he, has, he, 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 I've known him for a long time. And, and, uh, he was, uh, I don't want to confess his sins, but a couple of DUIs and kind of lived a hard life. And, and, um, but then after a while, God got a hold of him. And you could see it happen. God got a hold of him. He became a Christ follower. And I got the honor of baptizing him. And then, and then he died. Good news. He's in heaven. He's in heaven. So... Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying that, you know, it, what we do as a church may look like all fun and games sometimes. We're serious about this. Yes. We're serious about this because we want people to be in heaven someday. We want them to know Jesus. And so uh, write the name on the light bulb, put it on the display, and then write down their side, walk down their side of the road and interact with them if you can. If God opens up the door, invest in them by word or deed. Hopefully the prayer, the, 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 the conversation will turn to spiritual things and God will open up the door for you to invite them to come to church. I'm just praying that'll happen for you. And so light bulbs, light bulbs. Um, we got these for those of you who are going to become one of the 200 uh, in this series to, to sign up to give. And why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we do movie series? Why do we pay for kids to go to camp? Why, why, why? Why do we do all the stuff that we do? I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus came to this world. He died on the cross in our place to save sinners so they can go to heaven someday. And that good news of Jesus is for 
everyone. Amen? It's for everyone. So let's make it known, right? Let's make it known. Okay, at this time, I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come to the stage. They're going to close out the service. And just let me close with this. I love you guys so very much. Thank you for being a great church. And I'm going to be praying for you in the days ahead. God bless. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to follow, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.